0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Music Therapy Show with Janice Lindstrom. I am Janice Lindstrom, the host and producer of this show, and a board-certified music therapist with 20 years of experience working with a variety of people. Today is Wednesday, June 3rd, 2015, and May May was the seventh anniversary of this show, and I didn't have a show in all of May, but uh, we've been on for seven years now, so. That's pretty exciting. Um, I started this show as a forum to talk about music therapy, and today we're going to also add in another role that I've recently gotten, is that of being a mom. So you can join in the conversation by calling 646-652-2850, or you can contact me at heartbeatmusictherapy.net. I always enjoy Mommy Support Group Day, and Amy Zunica is with me. Welcome, Amy. Hello.
0: Do you want to share a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in child development and a master's in counseling, and I've been working with families for about 15 years now in a variety of different settings. And I have two kids myself, two daughters. One is almost five, and the other one is two and a half. Excellent. So
1: we'll start today with a check-in on how our parenting struggles have been going. Because it's always a struggle, isn't it? Uh, this month, uh, the last couple of weeks, sleep has been our big issue. It seems like sleep is always our issue, but mostly it's because I'm so tired. But uh, Kyle is 21 months old, almost 22 months next week. My goodness. Um, but uh, last Thursday or Friday, he climbed out of his crib and uh, uh, the, uh, on a regular basis. He had done this once before, and we were really nervous, but we were able to put him back in the crib for naps and bedtime for another few weeks. But this last, or two weeks ago, uh, Friday, he climbed out every single time we put him in there with, like, expert skill, too. You know, so, and it was stealth. So we didn't, you know, we, we couldn't hear him climbing, climbing out. He just did it and was off and playing. Um so we had to cut the crib away and use a toddler bed, which is basically a mattress on the floor. Um, but uh, that's been a big transition for us. That first day, there was no sleeping. And since then, there's been pretty much no napping. We've had a couple of naps. I'm going to go chase him and let Amy talk about what's going on in her parents. Well,
0: the last, uh, I guess the last few months since we were on the show... My youngest daughter is two and a half, and um, she'll be three in October. And as a professional, like I know a lot about potty learning and toilet learning and all of that stuff, Uh, but it turns out that I am a lot more ready for her to go to the potty than she is ready And so I'm having to deal with backing off a little bit and giving her some space to try to get that figured out on her own since it's really about her, not about me, even though it sure would make my life a lot easier if she would um, figure out how to use the potty on a regular basis. So
1: sleep and toileting, those are always big parenting milestones as well as children milestones, I think. So... um, Today, uh, actually in April, after our last show, Amy and I were sitting around talking and uh, had a really good discussion about different models of parenting. So, uh, we were talking specifically about behavioral models of parenting, and you said that uh, there were other models that can be just as valid. So, I wanted to explore that topic a little bit today. Um Let's start with what we know. The most, It seems like the most well-known and familiar
0: model of parenting is the behavioral model. So can you explain what that is? Yeah, so it really just comes out of uh, behaviorism, and it's the idea that, um, that we can shape behavior and that that's really the thing that matters is the thing that we can measure. We can measure behavior, um, and so... The things that we do, the interventions that we do um as parents
1: um is to shape
0: behavior by using by using uh, uh reward systems um by uh, reinforcing the behaviors that we wanna see um and have those behaviors continue and that's how we can. Um, help our kids grow and develop the way that we want them to and shape them into the people that we want them to be. Um, Which is, I mean, it is true that reinforcing um, behaviors that we want to see is definitely a way to get behaviors to increase. I think part of the challenge that uh, we were talking about last time um, after the show is that well, that's effective and it's true, um, it doesn't take into account the relationship, the ongoing 24-7 of being a parent, and it's not like we have little rats in a maze that we're reinforcing behaviors. We have these little people um, 24-7. We have the responsibility of them, and we have many behaviors that we're trying to shape. We want them to become people, and that's a lot of different characteristics, and how do you... If you're just taking into into account behavior how can you um get to that place so there's there's got to be more to the story than just um reinforcing behaviors so i think that's kind of what we were talking about and i don't i think for sure that's the the main way when we think about parenting even though in um the counseling world in particular and I think in many other spheres, we've realized that there may be other ways of uh, dealing with human behavior, or dealing with humans and human nature, and helping people be successful. Um, that it's not always just about behavior reinforcement. I think when it comes to parenting, we're still kind of stuck at that place. Uh, this
1: has been a topic in the music therapy world as well. Um, uh, there's a conversation about behaviorism as a music therapy model versus um humanistic or uh, other music centered other models of music therapy and in um music therapy and i think it correlates in in counseling and parenting too behaviorism is where you um modify behavior so you study the behavior and look at the antecedents. What happens before that leads up to the behavior? What's the cause of the behavior? And then the what's happening as the behavior occurs, and then the consequence of the behavior. What's the reward or the punishment that either increases or decreases the behavior that you see? So that's the gist of that model, and. As you know, you'll see on any discussion board about parenting that that is the primary way that we discipline our children is through um, the punishments and consequences and rewards and all that sort of thing. And so, other like another model uh, that comes comes from counseling would be the humanistic model. Um, Is that one that you were thinking of
0: when you were talking about this these models of parenting? Well, I definitely think it's interesting to think about how, well, like humanism, a humanistic model, which is really sort of about the person, like a person-centered kind of model, which means that you meet the person where they are, and you work on the things that you want to work on with them, almost from their perspective and with more of their leading and more of their initiative, less about you shaping, more about you being there to support them as they shape and become and mold and whatever, uh, that's one thing that i've thought about um with parenting as well i think i do think that the behaviorist model well it makes some assumptions one of them is that we're pretty much all the same and that reinforcing behavior works the same with everyone um it doesn't take into account a more uh, humanistic like maybe each one of us brings our own things to the table um, and that's not to say that you, there's not room when you're shaping behavior to take into account what would work best with that person. But I think it assumes that that's the best way for everyone to grow and change. And it also, I also think it t- it uh, is sort of antiquated in that it is almost like the blank slate model that we used to think about with kids. Like they come into the world with nothing and then we shape them into something. Instead of I think now we have a in, in development we have an appreciation that we all come into the world with things um and also we all grow i mean we're all gonna grow up even if even if we don't do things um, like kids are gonna grow up um whether we intervene or we don't intervene, so they do bring something. Um, And and I think taking into account some other models, like, I mean, person-centered, humanistic kind of thought, like, meeting them where they are and working with that. um, Yeah, there's that. And you and I were talking a little bit, there's some kind of, well, there's all this talk about free-range parenting. Um, I don't know that I want to go down that road. But some other ones that I read a lot of blogs about are really about almost the opposite of of behaviorism where it's like you trust the child to know everything and do everything and you just stand back and make sure that they stay safe. Um, And I'm not sure that fully explains it either. Um, I do think they need our help and assistance. Um, Like I know some of the things I've read, it's like even uh, trying to shush a crying baby is not allowing them to express themselves and it's sort of invading in their personal space and that we should just let them Express that, and I'm thinking, I mean, to some extent, maybe, but on the other hand, they may just need our help to calm down. So then, um, you know, I'm not sure that fully explains it either.
1: Right. So some of the um, tenets of the person-centered therapy are the idea of unconditional positive regard. So where you think the best of your your patient is, because this is a, a therapy model. Um, and so I think we could probably do that with our children, is have unconditional positive regard for them. And since it's our children, we could even call it unconditional love. I think they were trying to stay away from the L word in therapy. But uh, in parenting, uh, it's perfectly fine to love your children. So I hope that we all do that. But um, So you have that unconditional love and belief that they are a good person. And then I think also in the person-centered, if I'm remembering my education well uh, correctly, that there's also um, a belief that the patient knows what's best for them, which you alluded to about the, the child knowing what's best. Um, so I like the idea of nurturing your intuition and your trust in yourself and all of that. I don't know that you can go so far, I don't know that I could go so far as to completely let my child run the, you know, his life the way that he wants to, Uh, because I do think that children need some boundaries. I think people need boundaries. I know I need, I do better when I have some structure to my day and some boundaries. So um, maybe a balance and not just, just the behavioral model and not just the, Following your child's model.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, I mean, another thing that a person-centered talks a lot about um, is, is empathy, and being in the in the counseling model, it's like really having the ability to empathize with your client, see things from their point of view, put themselves, put yourself in their shoes, and allow them to. Uh, see that you understand where it is that they're coming from. And I actually think this can be really helpful um, in the parenting world, uh, especially when we're, uh, I think what comes up for parents is is mostly challenging behaviors that they do want to shape some other way. Um, But I do think when you try to empathize with your child and you think about how it is from their point of view, then you can intervene in a way that's Going to hopefully better um, solve whatever it is that's going on, or maybe you'll realize that it doesn't need to be solved at all. Maybe it's you know that you know you have a 21 month old that has a lot of energy and explores the world. Um, well, it turns out that for him, he sees the world as a brand new place. So sometimes just keeping that in mind when he gets into something that he shouldn't, or he does something you wish he wouldn't have done, if you it as being curious instead of seeing it as a problem the problem is that maybe it wasn't safe what he got into so then how do we keep unsafe things you know how do we keep him from getting into unsafe things but maybe he doesn't need to not get into anything so using that empathy which is another part of the humanistic i think comes into play too rather than just thinking about getting into things as bad as this example how do we stop that because The other thing is you're really not going to stop some things because they are part of developmentally where kids are. So if you're spending a lot of energy trying to control a behavior that's a developmental behavior, you're going to be, like, you know, running in circles, not getting anywhere. So I think that's another way of taking in that humanistic approach of thinking about where they're coming from, seeing things from their point of view, and looking at um, the problems that way.
1: So... I noticed a couple of things while you were talking, and one thing that came up for me is that um, it can be difficult to understand your child's point of view, especially if you don't relate well to children in general. I mean, some people are really good about getting that perspective and being childlike themselves, and others of us have moved on from childlike behaviors and kind of like things put in their place and and uh, things to happen a certain way every day. And I don't think that changes just because you become a parent. Um, so learning how to get the viewpoint of your child when that's not a natural viewpoint for you to have. It's its not easy to get into the head of a kid that can't even communicate with you. So figuring out how to do that is one thing that came up for me. The other thing is... Um, that in order for you as a parent to be able to um, you know really have that unconditional positive regard and go with the child and and you know redirect from the unsafe behaviors and tolerate the messes and all of that is that you really have to be in a good mental state yourself which can be really tough as a parent when you're having to give so much to this little kid that that can that does need a lot of a, a time and attention um and if you're sick or just tired or have a lot going on or a lot of responsibilities or if you're a single parent um where you don't ever get a break or or you're the, the stay-at-home parent where the the other spouse goes out and um and so you're you're at home working at home all day with your child um uh, and you don't really get other adult interaction those are all things that are going to affect your ability to be able to handle your kid because i know that, i know it affects my ability to be able to handle my kid and yeah we have our challenges but he is a pretty easy a relatively easy very active young man but he's he's not a terribly difficult child
0: It's just that I find parenting to be difficult, personally. I think that that's actually another thing that you and I were talking about a little bit last time is that somehow parenting is viewed, I feel like when you read a lot of the parenting literature, as a one-way relationship. I parent this child, and I'm going to focus on all the things that I need to do toward the child, and then the child is going to react to whatever it is, the things that I do toward them, um, and a lot of it doesn't take into consideration that the child, are, we have a relationship, and the child is also affecting me. So while I'm doing all these things to parent them, all the things they're doing are also affecting me. I'm I'm a person, I'm a parent, um, and parenting is, is a 24-7 job. I mean, it's not like you go home from work at the end of the day and you check out and then you start again um, the next day. I mean, you're still going to be a parent um, even when you're at work and you're away or you're – even if you're out of town, you're still a parent. I mean, that's always going on. So um there's other models, too, like family systems um, theories that talk a lot more about how we all affect each other. And I think when you're making parenting decisions, you think about how much – like, you weigh all these things. Like, what am I going to be willing to do? I realize there's going to be resistance if I try something new am I really going to be able to tolerate the resistance (laughs) (laughs) or not tolerate the resistance? Or um, right now I've got this thing going on at work. Is it a really great time for us to try something new in our schedule? Because I don't have the energy to really see it through right now. Um, So I think that's another piece that a lot of times I don't see when I'm reading stuff is that piece that it's like, it's not just about what I'm doing to the kid and what they do as a reaction to that, it's about I do something, they do something, that affects me too, and then we are, you know, we have this system going where everything I do is affecting them, everything they're doing is affecting me. If we're co-parenting with someone, what they're doing is also affecting both the child and me plus our relationship together. So, I mean, it gets a little bit more complicated than just a one-directional I'm going to do this thing and then my child's going to do this thing. Um, I don't think it's as easy as that all the time.
1: I think you're right. I think we forget, especially when we're reading experts on parenting and and blogs and things like that, I think we forget about all of the moving parts to parenting, that it's not just antecedent behavior consequence, and uh, it's not just, Punishment reduces the behavior and reward increases the behavior.
0: <clears throat> There's
1: all of these other factors that play in. And then it's very complex. So how how do you um, balance all of that or, or process that to make it into something that's workable? And I feel like in this discussion that I'm kind of overthinking the whole thing because people live and parent, and survive, and the world continues to move, whether, you know, you're doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. So I feel like there's a little bit of overthinking going on, but um, figure out what what the next step is.
0: (laughs) I think think a lot of people read a lot of parenting books. So I'm just going to kind of start there. And I think a lot of times when you me included, when I read a parenting book, when someone reads a parenting book, they see it as a prescription for maybe what they should be doing differently. Um, or that if you just do this thing, then it's going to solve all this, whatever the issue is that you read the book about in the first place. Um, and I think that just keeping in mind that um kind of what we were talking about before. Different things work for different people. Different things work for different families. Um, Take into account what you're willing and not willing to do. Um, If you read something and it just seems like that's going to be way too hard, then it's probably not for you because you aren't going to be able to do it. Um, But, you know, so then taking that into account. um, And, you know, how important is it to you that that a certain behavior happens or I guess another way to think about it is what do you want your family to look like? So, um, you know, this is, for example, um, you know, we talked about the eating in the show a few months back. I was pretty much tired of feeling like I was a slave to my kids and what and when they wanted to eat. I decided that's not what I wanted my family to look like. So I went on this quest to change that and I knew it was going to take effort. I know I was going to encounter resistance, but that's where I was at that time. I could take it on, so I did it. I think um, I think it, there's some level of, like, you have to have some reason to want, like, I want it to be this way or I don't want it to be this way. It can also go the other way. Things are going down this road and I just really don't like it, so we need to make a change <laughs> kind of a thing. I mean, I think that's... To me, I think that's where most people decide to make a change anyway. I think if people... Um, we don't change just mostly just because we should do it unless we actually feel like something like it, we have a, a uh, uh, it's painful enough where we are or we want something bad enough that we go for it kind of a thing.
1: That's true. I guess we don't really seek help unless we need the help. And so that's when we turn to other sources.
0: Um
1: Yeah, so things aren't always going to run smoothly in life. And I guess that's been a theme of a lot of the blogs that I have read and the books and things like that about successful and happy families is uh, similar to successful and happy businesses, which I've also been reading a lot about. And you have to have like a mission statement or a vision for where you want your business to go. Well, you have to have a vision for what you want your family to be like and then decide does this activity or this way that we're doing things or this club that we're joining match what our vision is? Is it going to support our vision or is it going to detract from it? So I guess, I guess that's the key there is that we're not going to have the answers, but as long as we're asking the questions, then I suppose we're making progress, right? <laughs>
0: I think so, too. But I also think that there is some level of trial and error in parenting, too. I mean, I think you try something and you can't always know. Like we were talking about the sleeping thing. You know, you've tried a few things. You got them back to sleeping at night. um, But so far, the nap time hasn't happened yet. So, you, you know, maybe you tried a few things. That didn't work. You try something else, see what goes on with that. I mean, I think there is an element of that. Um, Also, on what you were saying before about, um, I think one of the myths that I realized when I became an adult is that you, I used to think you'd just get to some place and be able to coast. It turns out that's not life. And I think parenting is the same way. It's not like you reach this place and you're like, life is easy now. We have no bumps in the road. (laughs) Like, that's the the parenting myth. You aren't going to do all these things and then just coast for the rest of your kid's life. I mean, it's an ongoing process of Figuring out and refiguring out. Um and everybody's growing and changing. Um you're growing as a parent. They're growing as children. Um things change along the way and you kinda course correct or you need to correct, or maybe you you're on a good place and you just go with it until you have to make a correction because everything's kind of working out smoothly. Right. And one topic that has come up a
1: lot in different areas of my life with different people that I interact with is self-care. I really think that needs to be key for parents because you can't take care of anybody else if you are not taking care of yourself. You might be able to do it for a short amount of time, but somewhere it's going to implode and sooner rather than later, most likely. Key is making sure that we're getting enough sleep and proper nutrition and all the stuff you know you're supposed to have. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> alright so um, it's been another good and quick half hour and uh, I always love it when you come over it's nice to have somebody to talk to you face to face even if I have to take breaks every now and then to go chase my kids off the tables and <laughs> get them out of trouble um, so we'll do this again um, in July and uh, the next so is going to be on June 18th. It'll be the Journal Club with Dr. Megan Masco because the Music Therapy Perspectives has been published. So we're going to talk about those articles this month. And then a couple days later, the a very thick edition of the Journal of Music Therapy came out. So um, we'll be scheduling that probably in July or maybe August. So I hope you're all having a wonderful summer. I know school is almost out or already out for just about everybody. And uh, have a good summer, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening. You can get more information about the show or share your thoughts and opinions at Heartbeat Music Therapy. Have a great week.